Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know what time it is. You should know where you are. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host, co-host, hostess with the mostest. Mike, what the hell am I of the Cashflow Guys? I like, with the, I like that. Was the hostess of the mostest? Hostess? People are going to think... <laughs> People are going to think I've been drinking down here in Key West. Guys, it's only 10, 15 in the morning. I have a policy about drinking before like 2, in case you're wondering. But welcome to another episode, guys. We're going to have some fun with this one, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we are. Especially after you coming from the Jimmy Buffett concert and seeing some scenes that most people dare never to see. Twice. Twice. <laughs> I've seen Jimmy Buffett twice now. and That was awesome. So, yeah, it was an interesting week in Key West. Jimmy Buffett was on the island. And there's some, I'm a big fan of Jimmy Buffett. Uh, but when he's on the island, I've never been on the island at the same time Jimmy Buffett was on the island, at least that I knew of over all the years that I've been coming to Key West and now I've lived here. I don't think he's been here for any length of time that I knew about uh, since I've lived here the last couple of years. But this week, everybody knew he was here. His boat, Last Mango, was in Key West Bite Marina. Oh, you saw it? Oh, yeah. Uh, so people were taking selfies by it and all that. And and Jimmy was riding around town on a on an old crappy bicycle, just like <laughs> happening up on people. So if you look at his Instagram feed, you'll see him. He rode up to the Key West Theater and he's like, can I help when they're unloading gear? And they're like, go away, old man. You don't, he's like, I don't have a pass. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It was a good, it was a good vibe this week. It was a blast. It's interesting. The entrepreneurship that one thing about, I love one thing amongst many things I love about Key West is their spirit of entrepreneurship on this Island. You know, if you go to, I don't know, anywhere, Kansas city, Buffalo, doesn't matter. Hey, Fort Collins, Colorado or Salida, Colorado, where you are now, I don't, see as much entrepreneurial creativity as I've ever seen on this island. And I, Mike, I know you experienced that being down here um, when we were looking at the Seaport Inn and the, and the short-term rentals is that people down here figure out a way to make a buck. Yeah, when you give booze to a hippie. All kinds of things can happen. happen. That's right. <laughs> Pot's expensive. <laughs> we got to be creative so they can smoke their pot. But, uh, but seriously, I admire their zeal for entrepreneurship and, and creative ways to make money. Mm, yeah. Our friend Rob, he is a great example of that. He has a GoPro rental business. He does this, he does that, he sells real estate. They do several different things and they do quite well at all of them, which the ones that are really motivated down here make really good money. So this episode, I thought we would talk about some of the creative things that, that um, we know to do. You're getting ready to embark upon. I'm already doing it. It works well. And I want to share with other people because here's what I'm seeing, Mike, and you tell me, and you hear this probably a lot in the cockpit and when you're talking to your colleagues at work, everybody feels they've got to have a hundred grand saved up in the bank before they can do anything in the investment space. True or false? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And so it's the endless struggle to get there as you're paying for your credit card bills along the way. Right. What's the guy do that has five grand? And let's say that he's worked really hard and he doesn't have any, he's paid off all his credit cards. So let's start there because it's easy to get wrapped up in, oh, here's how we're going to make money investing. But I'm going to say this broad statement, and this applies probably now at this timestamp in history more than any time. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it when I'm done, Mike. Stop focusing on investing on anything if you're carrying credit card debt. Please, I implore you, pay off. If you're paying out 18% interest or 10% interest or 15% interest, doesn't matter, on credit card debt or car loans or, or whatever, for you to invest that money in something else besides paying off that debt, that means that investment has to, on day one, outperform whatever you're spending in interest. So if you've got $1,000 in your pocket and $1,000 on your credit card, don't invest your $1,000 in something that's going to return you 6 8 10% if your credit card interest is 18%. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is very 
low-hanging fruit that adds up to a lot of money. But those of you listening to this episode, don't do this until you've wiped out your credit card debt. Do that first and then proceed. Thoughts, Mike? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember McElroy had a uh, episode not too long ago in regards to that. Of course, yeah, if you can get a credit card with that 0% introductory, okay, well, now, now you can leverage that money. But Maybe. otherwise, yeah, if you, obviously, you got to be smart about it. Sure. Right. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, it's, I mean, I'm sure you and I both, we pay our credit card bill every month. So whatever. Now we just collect the points. That's great. But there are quite a few people who just hold off on that. And it's crazy, especially now with the interest rates literally going, I think I saw 30% on a credit card oh, interest. Yeah. Absolutely. How would you how would you ever try to make money when you're paying thirty percent? You can't. So you can't. Unless you're you selling can. drugs, maybe if you're a drug dealer, you can make make more than thirty percent. But <laughs> no. that's if you don't get caught. If you got caught, then you got bail and attorney's fees, and it gets expensive. Not that I'm condoning anybody be, becoming a heroin trafficker, but uh, but seriously, yeah. I mean, I'm not a big believer in using credit cards at all. Period. That's just me because I think the game is rigged. I think that these zero interest things for a disciplined person can work. But Mike, you're a disciplined person. I think the average American doesn't have the same level of financial discipline that you do. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 So what we find is the people that they, they tend that credit card companies prey on people that are not because they know here's the thing. If there was a benefit to the consumer, the credit card company doesn't give two hooies about us. They care about making money. So statistically, the zero interest introductory rate thing is by design built to capture people that don't have the discipline that you and I do. That's true. I mean, obviously we talked about in the past about private money loans. Yeah. All right. So you look, we're talking about credit cards, Wells Fargo, Chase Bank, right? Making tons of money off people who just want the money now. Right. Can you imagine if you flip the coin and all of a sudden you are the lender, you are the new credit card lender. Exactly. Just like the whole private money thing we always talk about. 30% interest. So anyway, if you think of it that way, this big old fat cat Chase Bank, who's, I hate to say, preying off people's needs. If you've got cash in the bank, maybe you could consider doing that yourself. Yeah. What if, you, what if you're that fat cat? Exactly. So let's talk, talk to about a couple ideas where we can make that happen. And one, I'm doing it currently. And I've been doing it long enough now that I'm here to tell you this works 100% of the time. And I was witness to it. Yeah. You've actually, yeah, you've seen the, the people coming and going. So as you guys know, I have, I own a bunch a couple of vacation rentals in Tarpon Springs, Florida. That lot is pretty big that it sits on. And there is a, a side yard on both sides of the property. So on one side of the property, I turned it into an RV spot for rent. And what I did is I, I have a, a tractor and I went and leveled it and I put crushed shell down and I put some poles up. I basically stupid proofed it because let's be honest, most folks that drive in our, that pull RVs aren't that great at backing them up. <laughs> Traveling around the country myself, witnessing this in RV parks, I decided that I better protect my walls and air conditioners by creating some bumpers. So I put some poles in the ground because it's in a tight spot. It's not real tight. It's like 15, 20 feet wide. But um, I set it up to be ideal for RV. I hired my electrician to come out there and add a 50 amp electrical outlet uh, and a 15 amp for the van lifers and it's got a separate breaker so when they when somebody pulls in and rents that spot for me for the night they have a place to plug in their their camper no matter how big it is i've had 42 foot fifth wheels in there so when i had the sewer system put in 
I had Larry Harbolt there that day. And in talking to Larry, he, the city showed up to do the walkthrough, you know, the, the building inspector, whatever for the permit. And Larry convinced them to reconfigure my sewer drops. Number one, so that I didn't have to pay for two connections to the system. Only one. Thank you, Larry. And he, you know, he, those of you who don't know Larry Harbolt, legendary real estate investor, also spent most of his life as a union pipe fitter. So he knows the construction trade really well. He also let them talk him into letting me put in a clean out wink, wink, on the line heading out to the street, which happened to ironically straddle my RV spot. So I have now a pump out station at the property, which means the RV can pull up, connect their sewer pipe. There's fresh water there too, potable water and an electrical outlet. Why did I do that? Well, I can tell you last month, that little RV spot put $1,500 in my pocket. Fact. Month before that, $1,640. Month before that, 1000 That no cleaning fees? Nothing. nothing. Just open the gate. Every once in a while, I have my cleaning people that normally clean the apartments go by to make sure there's no leaves and whatnot, but we have a groundskeeper that takes care of the whole property anyway. So there's literally no maintenance, um, none whatsoever. I had to install. So my investment in that adventure was uh, 800 bucks. That's what it cost me to hire the electrician to put in the electrical. And I'll, I'll add this too. So Tyler's talking about setting up an RV spot site within a city. So there's yes. no RV parks anywhere around. There's absolutely zero competition. Right. And un- unlike in uh, Colorado, there's no public land in, in Florida. So there's no place for this RV or to set up shop except your parking lot. That's right. And in the wintertime, the whole world wants to come to Florida in their RVs. The problem is there's not enough capacity, not enough places for them to stay down here affordably. When I realized this, I did this as a test. Now, yes, I had to throw the money out there first to see if it would take. But worst case scenario... At the time, the reason why I originally put in the 50 amp connection was because I had a motorhome and I had it parked there. So I was going to do the power anyway. Mm. So my Mike and I were talking the other day and um, he was like, you know, I need to do something out here in Salida. But the market is weird out there in Salida. It's a lot like Key West where mm-hmm. the, the well, the difference is your land is not as valuable as ours. The improvement has more value up and down and out in Salida. But you have a, a, a rental crisis going on in Salida. You also have a very overinflated, overheated real estate market. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe you have the draw that the state of Florida does as far as full-time residency because it, it snows, it's cold there. Um, so it's a very odd market. And, and you and I have spent a lot of time looking at that market to try to figure out, does it make sense for us to do something there with the fund? And for that matter, does it make sense for you to do something there um, individually yourself? And when we started looking around, we saw a lot of vacant land, did we not? It's beautiful. It is. Every time I fly over Colorado, there's tons of public and private and most like and, and vacant land uh, next to national parks. So I think Colorado has uh, six or seven national parks and national monuments. And when you look at the land value around them, it's extremely cheap. I mean, relatively. I mean, I'm talking $1,000 per acre. But, you know, we're, we're talking right now about, hey, what about the guy, myself, whatever. I don't have $300,000 in the bank. I've got maybe, uh, uh, you know, $40,000. What can I do with that money? And, you know, we're always talking about on the show how to leverage other people's money for your investments. Now, what do you do with your money? Right. Especially when you don't have enough to do something big, where can you start? So let's look at that area. And what's the name of your county again? Chafee County. Chafee County. So Chafee County, Colorado is a pretty interesting place when you look at it demographically. The income level is shockingly low out there. Yet the, the property values are very high. And one thing that we've realized is that unimproved land outside of the cities is almost free. It's so cheap. It is. Yeah. A couple yeah. thousand dollars, you can get yourself a nice piece of dirt. 
With beautiful views all around you. Yeah. But you said something that a lot of people probably hung on to and they're hanging, hanging to right now as they said, but there's BLM land out there in Colorado and Arizona and all those Western mm-hmm. states. Lots of Bureau of BLM, for those who don't know, is Bureau of Land Management. That's what that means. Bureau of Land Management. It's basically land that the government owns that mm-hmm. you can stay on for up to 14 days at a time if you go register and get a permit. But a lot of folks don't like the idea of BLM, number one, because People are pigs and they throw garbage everywhere. And it, it's and a lot of in a lot of states like Arizona, they've shut down a lot of the BLM, BLM land. You can't even it's go there sad. anymore because people are trashing it. Yeah. And I know you get people are going to say, "Well, what about? I don't want people trashing my land." Hear me out. Folks are leaning towards wanting a more private solution. So in your case, Mike, so in Mike's case, he can go out and buy one of these pieces, one of these little lots. I don't know, an acre, five acres, whatever it may be. Shell out five, ten grand literally do nothing to it except create a map and a bunch of photographs. And then a guy like me that has to be passing through can come and stay there. See, because the average person that's never done BLM doesn't understand how it works, doesn't even know it exists. And guess what? The Bureau of Land Management doesn't advertise. So people drive by BLM every day and have no idea what it is, what it's there for, and what the benefits are. What I'm saying here is is that we really what what the BLM has is a marketing problem (laughs) that Mike can fix by simply advertising something as available, even though you're surrounded by free. Because you said, Mike, there are no RV parks near your place in Tarpon Springs. Here's a shocker for you. There are five RV parks within two miles of my place. And the reason you don't know about them is because they don't advertise or they do a terrible job of advertising. I've never seen a sign. Exactly. Exactly. Because they just don't market themselves very well and or they're full. So even if you did find them and you Google search RV parking or RV park in Tarpon Springs, Florida, the ones you come up with, A, probably won't even answer the phone, kind of like the assisted living facilities we called. <laughs> they won't answer the phone. Or if they do, they're volunteers. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And the cost is $90 a night. So if you're staying, wow. if you're bringing your own house, most folks have a tough time spending $90 a night to park someplace for the night. You would mm. think that Cracker Barrel, which is right down the street, would be my competition, but Cracker Barrel doesn't advertise the fact that you could stay at any Cracker Barrel in America pretty much for free for one night. Uh, spoiler alert, people will come and rent from me. So Mike could go buy one of these lots, which he's probably going to do, go buy one of these lots, do literally nothing to it, invest maybe five grand in this thing, do no work. Just And here's the thing, he already owns a camper van. So he could just drive up there and say, this either sucks or it's great. And if he thinks it's mm-hmm. great, well, then he just buys it. It's that simple. Five grand, done. Now he puts it on a website called Hip Camp, H-I-P-C-A-M-P, Hip Camp, or The Dirt, spelled wrong, D-Y-R-T, Hip Camp or The Dirt. The beauty of Hip Camp is it allows you to actually book a reservation and collect payment through the website. That's what I use as Hip Camp. I also use Airbnb and Verbo because you can advertise lots, parking spots on there too. So let's say Mike gets... $30 $30 a night. Well, hell, let's just say Mike gets $20 a night to book the place. So simple math on a 30 day month, that means $600. But is it likely that you'll be booked every day, Mike? No, no, no. definitely not. Everything's in season, of course. Right. So let's say you're booked half the month. Well, let's say you're booked 25% of the month. Okay. So if you're taking $600 down a month, we're basically looking at what? 150 bucks with sketchy vacancy. And you think, well, that's not worth it. $150. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you own rental property right now and you're making more than $150 cash flow? The answer is very few of you, net cash flow. 
And for those of you that are, how much of your capital did you have? Did you have? Did you invest more than five thousand dollars to take back that one fifty? Mm, the answer is yes. Yes, you sure as hell did, and you had to personally guarantee yourself, commit to a thirty-year mortgage. Instead, Mike is using discretionary income, pocket change, five grand, not a big deal. Um, cracked his piggy bank open, broke out the quarters, and bought a, a piece of lot, a piece of land. Now that one piece of land makes him a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks a month. Every with month. no ex- with no expenses and right in in Tyler's situation when you obviously when you're in downtown Tarpon Springs Florida you need sewer you need electric you need water but out in the middle of nowhere there's a lot of uh, camper vanners RVers too that are off grid self sufficient they don't need that because they want to get away from all that they they want to disappear um, so obviously people. They go camping on vacation for obviously different reasons, but yeah. So even a hundred bucks a month, if I have zero expenses, cause it's literally just dirt sitting out there. That's positive cash flow. It's, it's easy. Absolutely. Uh, what's your ROI if you don't have any expense, Mike? <laughs> Infinite. <laughs> exactly. How long does it take you to, to c- cover that five grand? When, if it's 10 grand, it doesn't matter. If it's 20 grand, it doesn't matter. It's just that it's cash flow coming in. That $5,000 sitting in Mike's piggy bank is makes him nothing. It does nothing for him. As a matter of fact, it actually devalues. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, with, with inflation. But the other thing, too, and so I was looking into this pretty hard. So I went to my banker, uh, Bank of Colorado, right? and I asked him, hey, uh, obviously, I want to buy some rental property and everything. I've got this money in the bank. What happens if I take this $5,000, $10,000, whatever, and I buy land with it? He says, well, now that land is collateral for a loan. Exactly. So it's not, it's not like, you know, you're going out and you, you're spending 40 grand on a car and then the money's pretty much gone. You can't reuse it. But with land, even though it's sitting out there and you actually bought something, you can still recoup that back as collateral when you're getting a mortgage, when you're getting a loan, which is the beautiful part of it. It's not gone because, you know, they always say they're not making any more land and the banks know that. That's true. Whether it has a structure or not, you can leverage that. Once you've taken raw land and you convert it to a cash flowing instrument, you've created a business and you've created a stream of income. You've repurposed the land into a cash flow instrument. When anybody, anybody on the planet that buys any sort of rental property, that's exactly what you're doing. So when you're buying a rental property, you're asking yourself, how much of my hard earned cash do I have to part with to earn back monthly cash flow? And for most folks, that's a pretty significant number, 20, 40, 50, maybe 100, maybe $200,000 they have to invest in order to get something back in return, cash flow. Is it feasible that if you bought this lot for $5,000, it spins off, let's just say for easy math, $100 a month every month for the rest of its existence because land never goes away unless it gets bombed by Russia or something, which is entirely possible. <laughs> the Does it... Uh, does it ever lose value? Because would could you go to, I don't know, Timmy Tulips and say, hey, Timmy, I have this thing that hands me a $100 bill every month, no matter what. I don't have to do anything except for I have this little account on HipCamp that does it for me. I don't. It's all automated. All I have to do is collect my 100 bucks a month electronically by direct deposit into my bank account. How much, Timmy, would you give me for this lot? Timmy would go, hmm. How much am I willing to part with to get a hundred bucks a month for the rest of my life? And what's the complexity? Well, Timmy, you have to wake up 
and it'll probably be a good idea to shower, but that's not necessary for cash flow. You actually have to have a bank account so you can receive the money because it's all done electronically on the internet. So really that's the biggest, if you have the ability to open a bank account, you can do this cash flow idea. And don't forget about 900 bucks a month or $1,500 a month. It doesn't matter what Tyler does. I'm doing it on a much larger scale and you can get there. All I'm saying is get your first hundred bucks a month because if you can figure that out, Mike, how hard is it to scale that from a hundred bucks a month to a thousand a month? I was going to bring that up. So with raw land, it's land. Yeah. You can't destroy it. Unlike, let's just say it's a nuclear blast. It turns into glass. Okay. Sure. But- <laughs> Don't buy near NORAD. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's Colorado. not too far away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is, if you want to increase the value of that land, you put a structure on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, okay. And everyone's thinking, well, right now, by me anyway, it's $300 a square foot to build. Okay. That's cool. If you can find but a contractor. If you can find a contractor. But what I've been looking into lately is... um they call it shed life. You know, they t- had the whole tiny yes. home revolution. Well, now it's gone into shed life, which is literally uh, uh, Janelle and I went to this shed depot, right? And they've got the regular sheds where you, the garden shed, you put your tools and everything. But then they also have the option to completely finish it in regards to they, they have a shed, I don't know, 12 by 32, whatever size you want. They put the insulation in, power, lighting, ceiling fan. I mean, you walk in, it looks like a tiny house house yep, and it's a shed. And the cool thing about that is according to the County, it's a shed. That's right. <laughs> and now you can rent that shed as a tiny home, Airbnb or whatever. But also since you put a permanent structure on what was just a piece of dirt, you've exponentially increased the, that the value of that, of that property. Now it has improvements. Absolutely. So you pretty much have a blank slate. Now you can build upon and you can build upon with your own cash because there's no need to, you don't, you're not negative cash flow from day one, right? So it's not like you need to rush and throw a hundred thousand dollars onto it as you get another five, $10,000 in the bank. Okay. Let's see what I could do to this ranch now to make a cash flow even more. That's right. Because it's this, it's what you, so let's say for example, if this is extra money and you're not working for it anyway, it's just extra money to show in your bank account. Yeah. You can either go out and go sit at the bar and get bottle service and then piss away your hundred bucks, or you can just sit, let it sit in the savings account until you get another five grand, and then maybe you can go buy the lot next door, or you could buy a second lot. And if you'd want to go with like Mike's idea and you want to put a tiny house on it, not I would, don't do a tiny house because they're, they're way overpriced. Do the she shed thing like Mike was just saying, go buy the shed. And shed doesn't mean derogatory, by the way, guys. My cabin is 12 by 32 loft. It's huge. Mike's been there. He spent a week there. Oh, yeah. It started as a she shed. It's now an off-grid cabin. It's fully wired for electric. It has plumbing. It has air conditioning. It has a complete solar system. I am completely non-reliant on any utility services at my cabin. I don't. I have electric. I have everything. All the conveniences at home. I have Starlink Internet, the whole nine yards. And I have zero expense anymore because I've already saved. I've had it long enough now that where the cost of what it cost me to build it, it's free. So think about if you took that hundred bucks a month, you saved it up or you did a couple of these and then go back to the first one and take that cash flow sitting in your bank account and go out and spend a couple thousand dollars on one of these she sheds. They deliver it built and ready. They show up in a little truck and they set it down and off you go. Now they've gone up considerably in price over the years because of the cost of lumber. When I bought mine, 12 by 32 was three grand. Now 12 by 32 is closer to around 12 grand. 
That big thing was three grand. Yeah, back then. Yeah, that's what I spent on. Whoa. Yeah. Deal. Yeah, I paid three grand just a few months ago for we but we built a we bought a bathhouse because now we have a separate bathroom and all that and shower and all that. It's a separate building and it's air conditioned. But we had that thing cost us three thousand dollars plus. I had to insulate it and air conditioning electrical. So that's now cost more than my big shed, my my big cabin. Wow. But my point is. Even if you did the the $12,000 option, number one, they will let you finance it. I strongly suggest you do the math on that because it's crazy expensive. It would actually be cheaper to put it on a credit card. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't charge you interest. They charge you a lease fee, guys. Read the fine print. I did. It. Don't, don't do it. Pay cash. But twelve grand, not a huge amount of money. Okay, You can find somebody that maybe has a self-directed IRA, has some lazy money mm-hmm. sitting around and say, hey, would you be interested in partnering with me on this deal? What if I can put 50 bucks a month into your IRA for the rest of your life in exchange for 12 grand? It doesn't matter what the math is. Maybe it's a hundred bucks. Now you can do these all over the place without literally any cash investment at all. Because if you're out there doing the work, you can grow this. If you're in an area like you are, Mike, see, you're in a great area to do this because there's a, there's a a whole bunch of land out there to have to do this. You guys can do this without using one red cent of your own money. You don't need one penny of your own money to do this. All you need to do is have, have the systems in place to get this done. You don't need to have a syndication. You don't have to open a fund. You don't have to do any of this crap, but you got to be okay with a hundred to $200 a month in cash flow per unit. It will grow over time, but you got to start somewhere. What gets people screwed up and Mike, you know this because we've seen people we've talked to on the phone about this. They're so fixated on the fact that they need to make $900 a month that they're willing to give it all up because they can't get 900. Yeah. Stop that. Get a hundred. Mike, Mike got a free and we'll go, we'll have a special episode about this, but this is the coolest idea I've ever come up with or that he's, that I've ever heard of. I shouldn't say I didn't come up with this, his idea. He got a free, uh, conversion van camper van. And we'll do that. We're not, I'm not going to spoil it now and give it away, but Mike has a free. And what year is it, Mike? It's a 2017. Yeah. 2017. So it's not like it's ancient. It's not like a 1976 Dodge. No, it's a 2017. It's badass. It's off the grid. It's all set up. And that he can go anywhere he wants. He's out there in Colorado. He can do the van life thing whenever he wants. It's also his daily driver, but it didn't cost him a freaking penny. And I think that's amazing. <laughs> but there you go, guys. I mean, what's wow, stopping him? That, that dude, that's a light bulb. Well, you would you just? I didn't think of that before. Every everybody's got a four hundred one k now. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's about to be required. And when I was looking at possibly using, you know, self-directed IRAs from somebody else, offering them interest so I can buy a property. Well, a lot of people don't have half a million dollars where I can buy a house or rental property with, but they for sure have 10000 or $12,000 in it. And I can use that, pay them interest and buy the land. That's genius. That's right. That's Wow. That opens the door. We're going to be talking about it where we're going to be working with an IRA company coming up soon, which we're going to all encourage you to consider doing. If you want to, Avoid, I'm not going to spoil the future episodes. I'm not even going to tell you who it is, but you're going to be kind of surprised when it is. But anyway, we're going to be talking more about self-directed IRAs in coming months through the summer because it's a great way to grow your nest egg and to offset some of your tax liability. And again, I've got episodes that we're going to be talking about that more in depth with some experts on the topic. But there's a great way. Working with these IRA companies is also a great way to access capital. If you're the guy or girl that has the idea, and are willing to do the work. Got to remember, a person with an IRA, they can only do so much themselves hands-on. They have to have some sort of a passivity to it. They really can't get too 
granular. And obviously a lot of that's left open to interpretation. But when it comes to the IRS, I wouldn't take chances if I were you. I would just really play well within the rules. Bottom line is the fact that you don't have the money is not an excuse because you can start this on the very low level for a few thousand dollars. I see lots in Florida being sold for a thousand, two thousand websites like Landmoto and things like that. I've got a friend that's a land investor. Acre vault is his website. A-C-R-E vault, acre vault. Uh, He does a a great job with, with brokering. He flips land. He doesn't broker land. He flips land. And what they're doing, guys, is they're reaching out by direct mail, and you can do this too, to people that have vacant land, people that have a lot of vacant land, but a lot of times it's just unwanted. They're tired of paying taxes on it. You can pick this stuff up for a song. I can tell you're New Jersey, Mike. I hear the horns in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think somebody just got shot. <laughs> yeah, fire truck. Yeah, it's just Jimmy. Know. He'll be fine. <laughs> he gets shot every week. Um, the You guys can go out and do this very easily. You, you find an area. Even, I don't care if you're in, let's say you're in New Jersey. You can rent out the, the driveway in front of your house if you want. You can buy a heavy gauge extension cord. Don't try this at home. To help the van lifers plug in in your driveway. Now, I wouldn't try it at an apartment complex or someplace like that, a property that you don't own or have express control over. But let's say you even rent an, uh, rent a house right now or a duplex and you only have one car. Well, there's if you're rented two parking spaces, can you rent out the other parking space to van lifers and give them the ability via a 10-gauge or, or a heavy or 8-gauge from uh, extension cord to provide them electricity? Most of the van lifers don't need sewer because they have cassette toilets in them or uh, Mm -hmm. composting toilets. They either have a shower in the van or they go to a local gym. They have a membership to like anytime fitness or something like that. Van lifers are very resilient. They don't need as much infrastructure as your typical RVer does. I'm not suggesting that you need to go rent it out to these people pulling these 65 foot toy hauler with four Harleys and golf carts and a boat. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm saying, keep it ridiculously simple. I'm getting ready to do this at one of my properties right now. I've got, 10 parking spaces. And what I've realized is that I own this, this lot that has these 10 parking spaces in front of uh, two duplexes. Well, statistically, most of the guests that we rent the apartments to only use one of the two allocated spaces, and we have two spares. Now, the two spares, I have my camper van in one in front of, or my camper trailer in front of one of them, so they can't have that one. The other one is for the RV spot. But if I, I have four potentially available parking spaces, I can rent the parking spaces. All I need to do is provide a place because it's Florida and people want their air conditioning and they need to be able to plug in for that. I can convert four parking spaces just by adding electric. My cost to do that is going to be in today's prices about a thousand dollars a parking space. So at a thousand dollars a parking space, that's my overhead right out of the gate. But that's not that's that's fixed, right? Except for the power bill. That's fixed. So after I make the first thousand dollars, now I have no expense in there at all, except for the, whatever electricity the guest uses and maybe uh, wa- the small amount of water they use when they're there. So could I create another thousand, two, three, four thousand dollars a month on the same property? hundred percent. Yes. Oh yeah. As a van lifer myself, I'm not looking for utilities. My number one priority is I don't want to be woken up by the police in the morning. Amen. They call it the knock. I'm the same way. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a trailer lifer. So my, he has a van. I have a trailer, my trailer. We got this thing. We bought it actually. Jill and I bought it when we got going with the fund because I was going to be all, I'm going to be all, I'm always all, all over Florida looking at property and looking at opportunities. And it's a lot cheaper instead of using investors money 
to pay for hotel rooms and stuff like that. I went out and used my own money to buy this trailer and then I don't have to charge the fund for travel expenses. It works out well. It's a big benefit to our investors. That's why people choose to invest with cash flow capital. One of the reasons anyway. Um, this is a seven by 12, 12 feet long, seven foot wide cargo trailer that's been converted. And what do you think, Mike? Is it kind of dumpy white trash? It, it's pretty cool. Like you, you go inside. <laughs> I, I never expected it to look that yeah. swanky. My <laughs> wife went crazy and it's like entering a different dimension. It's like, it's like stepping into Key West. It's all cedar inside. It's gorgeous. It's got a shower, mm-hmm. composting toilet, kitchen, everything sleeps too. It's a totally self-contained off the grid. My point is I don't even need to plug in at all. I have a battery, a 48 volt battery system, solar panels. I can run a, I run a mini split air conditioner 24 hours a day. I never need to plug in. So a guy like me, it's a home run. I don't, I can't hear in Florida. People see me go in and out of this trailer. They know I'm camping out. They run me out of Walmart and places like that. <laughs> and so I'm always looking on hip camp for a place when I'm out scouting property for the fund, I'm always looking for a place to park for the night. I don't need an RV spot. I'm not willing to shell out $90 for a place to sleep for the night when I'm bringing the place to sleep with me. This is a great viable option. So when we look at these things, is there need? The answer is hell yes, no matter where you are. Thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah. Uh, just, just quick disclaimer, zoning, zoning, zoning. Yes. Tyler happens to be in a position where he, you could almost do anything with your zoning, right? Are you, you zone what commercial residential commercial or? highway? Yeah. Commercial highway, even yeah, though I'm is, a block off the highway, but I'm okay with it. I'm not going to argue it. Cause I basically have a, I could, I could open a strip club if I wanted to. Yeah. I mean, you got the, you got the wild card as far as uh, zoning goes. Yes. You know, they always talk about location, location, location. Well, it's also in with us zoning, zoning, zoning. Right. So obviously you can't do this in any zoning. You've got to make sure with the city that you're in a proper zone that you can rent out to RVers or whatnot. Uh, but, but when you do, when you do have a property that has proper zoning or in my case, when it's the middle of nowhere and it's pure County property and they don't care, That's <laughs> right. This, you're not in the city limits. Now the handcuffs are off. So obviously you can't do it everywhere, but if you get the right zoning, you got the money. That's right. I can tell you right now that in a lot of places you'll find that overnight parking is not permissible. If you pick up the phone and call them and say, can I rent a parking space in my driveway to somebody, this person they learn to the phone is going to not understand what you're doing and a hundred percent say no. Yeah, well, that's true. So, but does that mean that the answer is absolutely no? Instead, maybe call your zoning department and say, uh, is there a law on the books that prevents my neighbor from renting out a spot in their driveway? Now that city worker is going to then look for an excuse not to do it. See, that's what we're really looking for. And what you will find in most cities, uh, that law does not exist. There is no ordinance that prohibits it. So if there's no ordinance that prohibits it, and I'm not an attorney, but it's kind of hard to enforce a law that doesn't exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're smart about this, let's say Salida, little boutique, little cutesy community, right? And they don't, if they don't have this or any ordinance preventing this on the books where a private resident can rent out a parking spot in the driveway for an overnight, then how can they send the cops over to shoo you away? What's the, the police can only enforce laws that are currently in effect. They can't enforce laws from like that don't exist. Hey, we, mm-hmm. we were thinking of making up some new laws around the campfire last night. We came up with a new one. We haven't voted it in yet, but if you don't follow it, you're going to jail. That didn't happen. So if you pose the question a different way to zoning in your local community, you may find that your community does not have such an ordinance. And if they don't, well, guess what? 
yippee skippy, off we go. The city of Key West, they're smart. They have an ordinance <laughs> that says, oh, do they? yeah, you cannot uh, occupy a a conveyance, which is a, a vehicle, uh, for uh, overnight unless you have the zoning of a recreational vehicle park in the city of Key West. But here's a fun fact. Monroe County does not have that same ordinance. So if you just drive, step off of Key West and go to any one of the keys in the island, island, the keys in the island chain, you're good to go. It's amazing. More people don't take advantage of this. Hmm. The reason why people get run out is that they're on private property where they shouldn't be like a shopping center and the shopping center. People don't want you there. Well, that's cool. Then you got to go. But if you're the guy that runs the shopping center or you have a business and you've got parking spaces that sit there at night, you know, let's say you're a plumber and you've got, take home trucks and you have six parking spaces behind your warehouse, rent those out from time to time to van lifers. You set it up on hip camp. It, there's a calendar. They can't be double booked. It's impossible if you just use hip camp and rent those spaces out. You're paying however, I mean, thousands of dollars a month. It is to rent the space. Anyway, I might as well sublet it to somebody else, the parking, and you can make yourself a fortune. So with that, I rest my case. How about that, Mike? Yeah. I like this episode a lot. Because right now you can hear a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty in the real estate rental market. Yeah. Everything is overpriced. Yeah. The rents are going crazy. We don't we don't know what's going to happen. So I like this episode because we're pretty much putting up the stop sign and saying, hey, what will work? That's right. How do we get out of this whole rat race of a crazy market? Well, let's look at alternatives. Let's look outside. Let's look at raw land where people aren't rushing and, and paying triple asking price for. That's right. There's always options out there. And I like this too, because, you know, uh, there's a lot of people, like you said, who don't have half a million dollars cash in the bank to buy a house cash, but right. they do have five, $10,000 in the bank. They don't know what to do with it. So instead of going out and buying that Rolls Royce or, you know, using that money down for Rolls Royce, that is go out, purchase land, start a little business on it. And remember the money's not gone. Because you can use it as collateral. You can even do a cash out refi sometimes. Yeah. You can get your money can. back. Yep. Absolutely can. You can use, and I'll just wrap up with this, guys. You can use that vacant land as a bargaining chip on something else. Let's say yeah. you're going to go buy a rental property and the seller's like, well, I want more money down. How about I own a, a lot over here in such and such a county? How about I give you a lien against that lot in addition to your property? So you get liens against two properties. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lots of different ways you can structure this, guys. The, the opportunity is everywhere. It's we're almost to the we're halfway through the year. It seems like already. It's only February, but we had so much stuff going on. It's going to be a great year. But you got to get out there and do something different this year to make that cash flow. That's how you're going to get over the finish line. That's how you're going to get financially free. Guys, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.